Wheat Pete's Word is brought to you by the Bayer Fungicide Lineup. Beat disease and take your fungicide game to the next level with innovative solutions from the experts at Bayer. It's grow time. to Wheat Pete's Word here on RealAgriculture.com for Wednesday, June the 9th on this episode of The Word. Another insect alert to begin with. Unbelievable. Then, weather whammies. It's wild out there. Corn nitrogen. It's side dress time. And the science is back in from Ben Rosser. Weed control. Some really cool new information. Some great questions around that. Wheat grain fill, I hate these high temperatures. The value of straw, the number one question coming in. Cover crops, nutrients, a whole lot if I can only get to it before I run out of time. Let's go before I start. A safety alert. A week or two ago, a grower tweeted me saying, can you get silo gas out of cereal silages? And the answer is, well, you can, but it's really unusual. It's a corn silage thing. You can actually get it out of alfalfa as well. Remember what happens, super dry, lots of nitrogen for the crop. It can't take it up. It's so dry. You get that rainfall, the crop sucks it up. And if you harvest right away after the rainfall, because that's the stage of maturity it's at, it's ready to come out of the field, then the nitrogen is free in the crop. We get nitrates. You can get nitrate poisoning in livestock. You get silo gas. Apparently, last week, a grower in southwestern Ontario was affected by silo gas. They're fine. But please be careful. Realize that it can happen. It's heavier than air. Always, 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 after you fill a silo, have that in the back of your brain. Let's not get anyone hurt. Okay, moving on. And yes, alert, alert, alert. Last week, it was alfalfa weevil. This week, it is potato leafhopper. So leafhoppers just seem to have blown up on those recent windstorms coming out of the U.S. in unbelievably high numbers. We are seeing, well, growers reporting, you know, just their their uh, screen in their, their screen door covered with potato leafhopper. You go out into alfalfa fields. There's lots of them hopping around. Remember that if you've just harvested your alfalfa, it's that small alfalfa that's really critical. Some growers saying they have weevil as well as leafhopper. If you have both, then you drop the threshold a little bit. But if that alfalfa is only 10 centimeters high, you know, three and a half, four inches high, it's one leafhopper per five sweeps, right? So that it's almost no leafhopper. Because what they do is they inject a toxin into the plant and plug up the conductive tissue so that the plant can't get the nutrients down to the roots. And if it can't feed the roots, the roots can't pick up nutrients and feed the leaves. And so that, that the small stage is really, really critical. So get out there and scout control if you need to. Just shows you how wild this year has been. So weather, oh my gosh, we've, we've gone from freezing temperatures to extreme heat and we've gone from drought to flood in some cases and some other growers as always are in the between in the in-between zone they are the growers that that have horseshoes somewhere i don't know what where but wow so albert tenuta my good friend the provincial pathologist a plot at west lorne 
yesterday, Tuesday, three inches of rain on that plot. And Albert says, well, thank goodness it's a, it's a corn hybrid stress test. It's basically underwater at six leaf. If that doesn't stress it. I don't know what will. But me, at the other side of that coin, and this is really, really just makes your heart go out. Tim at Little Britain tweeting, one-tenth of an inch of moisture as snow in early May Nothing at all until four-tenths of an inch last week. Tim, I hope you've gotten some more rain since you sent that tweet out. But Tim's saying, you know, poor emergence, uh, frost injury, wheat crops just burning up in the heat. It just, we go from drought to flood or from feast to famine. It's just incredibly tough. And of course, if you have people with no rain and people with too much rain, there's a zone in between there where everything is just rosy. Brent reporting nearly perfect weather. He frost seeded his spring wheat. It's just ready to head that crop. He sent me a picture. It looks amazing. I hope it cools down though. That That is the, the concern. So the Goldilocks zone or the Cinderella zone, other people just have horseshoes. So Bev, a client of mine, and he's got wheat and it just got a beautiful thunderstorm. It was an excellent crop. It actually made some of it lodge. That's how heavy the thunderstorm was, but it just soaked up into the ground. That's going to make that crop. His son with wheat just a couple of miles away, and that wheat's on tougher dirt and has struggled all year and desperately needed a rain. Yeah, he got nothing there. So it really is, as Donald would say, it really is a hit or miss year. You know, hit or miss with frost, hit or miss with emergent, hit or miss with rain. It's just, it's a hit or miss year. And yes, so close on the winter wheat crop. So both Carrie and Bruce and Rob from out around Peterborough sending some pictures where the tip kernels of the wheat head got frosted. That is such a near miss. If the tip kernel gets frosted and that's all that happens, the yield impact is very close to zero because the rest of the head gets all that photosynthate and so they'll set more kernels or make plumper kernels and yes, we could lose a little bit of yield, but it really is a minimum impact. It shows you just how close we were to a, to a really significant impact on that winter wheat crop with the frost. Uh, Lindsay, meanwhile, our good friend Lindsay with Real Agriculture, her millet crop that she thought was frozen off, greened back up, it made it through. The other thing that I will note, though, is, wow, those soybeans that got frozen are so slow to recover. Talking with Horst Bonner, the soybean specialist with the ministry, it can take up to two weeks for those soybeans to show new growth. And man, this year, it's seeming to take that long. A horse, I asked him, is there any other way you can tell? Lots of growers have asked that question. And horse said, you know, he doesn't believe the green stem thing. He thinks you just have to wait. And if you're not seeing new growth after 10 days, you really start to question it. Two weeks is the maximum. If you're not seeing it, get out there and thicken up the stand. You don't always have to reseed at the full seeding rate, but thicken up the stand. So what are the other impacts of these weather whammies that we have? Uh, Paul, Paul Sullivan, an awesome Sullivan agronomy out in in the uh, Ottawa Valley area. 
reporting reduced corn stands because growers maybe pushed it just a little. They got a slot that didn't necessarily close or it closed at the time without any rain. That slot has opened back up. Stands, corn stands are somewhat reduced. And so believe it or not, Paul is to the point where he's counting enough reduced stands. We're not seeing the 32,000. Maybe we're seeing, I don't know, 24, 25,000. And he's reducing his nitrogen, his side-dressed nitrogen recommendations appropriately because with less plants, we really do know that that does have an impact on the final yield potential. So really interesting. On that note, the pre-sidrate nitrate test uh, sampling that the Ministry of Agriculture and Food does every year, Ben Rosser, Ian McDonald driving that, the results are in. You can look at the results on fieldcropnews.com. The soil nitrate this year is just slightly above average. It, across the province on 93 fields, it came in at 13 parts per million. The average is 12 parts per million. So it's sort of bang on uh, average, and, and you wouldn't change your nitrogen recommendations probably very much. And that's a bit of a surprise. We had a warm March, which would start things early, but then we had really cold April, really cold May. I wondered if those cold temperatures would slow down that nitrogen release. But in fact, I think it's the opposite. I think the dry weather means that we didn't denitrify anything. And so we're sort of bang on normal because the, the soil bugs are just, you know, nicely chugging away as they normally would, and we're not losing anything. And the other thing that I'll note quickly that is in that article is just because the average is 13, that doesn't mean your field is at average. You really have to do your own test to make sure. And in particular, do a nitrate test if you have some manure in that cornfield in the history or if you have red clover. That's the best way to figure out whether or not the nutrients that you hope there, the nitrogen that you hope is there, actually is there. You have to do your own test. And then you can use that in the calculator uh, to, to come up with the best recommendation for nitrogen that you can get to. So what else on this wild weather? So Johanna Lindenboom, another agronomist down in the Niagara Peninsula doing a super job, tweeting out a picture of a ragweed. And you'd look at that ragweed and you'd say, man, that, that ragweed only has maybe four leaves. No, if you look at it, the lower leaves have been taken off by the pre-emerge herbicide. Not enough rainfall to kill the ragweed, but enough to damage it. It's actually an eight or a 10 leaf ragweed it's getting incredibly big and when they get incredibly big they are incredibly hard to control so brand new information or i guess it's been out there before but peter sikama hasn't talked about it a lot so P dr peter sikama ridgetown campus university of guelph did a time of day spraying with i think 13 different herbicides and they started at 6 a.m. every three hours. So 6 a.m., 9 a.m., 12 noon, all the way up till midnight. And what they found is that you get the best herbicide efficacy at 3 p.m. on virtually every herbicide that they tested. Interestingly enough, a, a herbicide like glyphosate there's not a big difference between 3 p.m. and 6 a.m. or midnight. There's, there's a difference. It's still better at 3 p.m., but it's not significantly different. 
If you look at some of the contact herbicides, so herbicides like Reflex, like Bazagran, like Pinnacle, and we're just in that window where we're starting to spray a lot of those products on IP soybeans, they are much, much better control at 3 p.m. than they are at 6 a.m. or after 9 p.m. at night. So it's almost like if you have big weeds, you have to spray in the heat of the day, which of course is the worst time ever in terms of creating crop phyto. So you get way more crop injury. It's also you're going to evaporate more droplets. And so smaller droplets don't get to the target as easily. Wind is another big issue with that. So it's, it's a real catch 22, but typically that 3 PM. So, you know, spray those contact herbicides from noon till 6 PM. If you can, that's when you're going to have the best control. And on that very note, Ken from Saskatchewan is sending a, a voicemail to me saying, okay, wait a minute, I sprayed Liberty on my Liberty uh, Link canola, and I sprayed it when it was 35 degrees Celsius, and then I see on Twitter that, that I shouldn't have done that. Uh, the weeds died, the canola looks fine. Like, what the heck is going on? So from Colleen Redluck, BASF, she says that at 27 degrees Celsius, the plants and the weeds start to shut down. And so with many products, once you go over 27 degrees Celsius, you start to think that that could have a negative impact on the, the level of weed control you get or the amount of phytotoxicity you get. And of course, there's a range there. But the exception is absolutely liberty. And with liberty, there is no upper temperature limit. The hotter it is, the better control you get. I really think, Ken, where you're getting confused is that it with Liberty, it, the temperature doesn't matter. The temperature can matter with some other products for sure. But in Western Canada, Delta T is a big thing in terms of can we get the droplets to the target? Now, we don't talk about Delta T in Ontario hardly at all because we're a high humidity zone and, you know, it's pretty rare we get really high temperatures. But if you look at the Delta T chart, and we'll put it on the website uh, linked here so that you can see that, if you have low relative humidity and high temperatures, what happens, especially at low water volumes, and Western Canada uses low water volumes, uh, you know, typically if I'm spraying reflex, my growers, I, it has to be 20 gallons of water per acre. And so we have higher water volumes. We don't get into as much concern or over evaporative loss of the droplet. But with that Delta T, if you have high temperatures, low relative humidity, you spray and that droplet, before it can get to the target, enough of it evaporates that it becomes a driftable fine and it never, ever does get to the target. And so we don't get good weed control. So for example, Ken, if it's 30 degrees Celsius and 50% relative humidity, that's sort of you're in the green zone. If you're 30 degrees Celsius and 30% relative humidity, you're actually into the do not spray zone. And so it's... Once we get to 30 degrees, that relative humidity really does play. Okay, I got to move on. Frederick at Ripley and Matt at Pennsylvania saying, Hey, Peter, high temperatures. What about grain fill? Oh, yeah. So absolutely. We want 18 degree days, 10 degree nights. 
At 30-degree days and 20-degree nights, things are all bad for the wheat crop. There's no question about that. That means that the wheat crop is going about twice as fast as we want it to. Maybe not quite, but almost twice as fast as we want it to. And that will shorten grain fill. It will also have an impact or could have an impact on the number of kernels we set. It's particularly the high nighttime temperatures that are bad. The critical temperatures on wheat, up till 25 Celsius, wheat is happy. From up to 30 Celsius, wheat can tolerate it. If it goes over 30 Celsius, then wheat gets really unhappy. And so, Frederick, you're at Ripley. Your temperature is going to be cooler than the growers in Essex. And this is one of the reasons why growers in Essex often have lower wheat yields than we think they should have because we just get too high temperatures. And nighttime temperatures, when we get these 20, 21, 22-degree nights, the wheat crop, all it does at night is, is respire. And high nighttime temperatures means it respires twice as fast at 20 degrees as it would at 10 degrees Celsius. And it respires a lot of that photosynthate. It doesn't have that available. And so it sets less kernels or we get less grain fill. Not, not much we can do about that, but it isn't a good news scenario. Scott saying, when, is, when does grain fill begin? When does it end? Pretty easy, Scott. Begins at pollination. Once it's pollinated, we start filling that kernel. And it ends when the peduncle, right? Remember the peduncle right underneath that wheat head? When it changes color, that means there's no more translocation or 30% moisture in the grain. That's when it ends. Okay, got to quickly hit, because I'm running out of time, quickly hit the value of straw. Believe it or not, even at today's fertilizer prices, there is only a penny a pound in the phosphorus, potash, nitrogen, and sulfur. I don't price out the micronutrients, but in nutrient value in straw, there is only a penny a pound. And so if you look at it and say, I'm going to get uh, 2,500 pounds of straw, they're offering me three cents a pound. Does that make sense or not? Well, that first cent out of the three, that's $25 an acre. You've got to use that to buy nutrients because you sold those nutrients off. The next $25 or a cent a pound, 2,500 pounds at a cent is $25. That's to buy the cover crop seed and to plant that cover crop seed so you replace the organic matter that you just sold off the farm. And then that next penny a pound, so $25 an acre, that's the money you put in your pocket. So is three cents a good deal? Uh, I think it's not horrible. It's not what it would like to be. And, and lots of growers saying we aren't going to do that. That's your call. But a penny a pound is all the value there is in that straw. I know lots of you will find that, that kind of surprising. Uh, but Scott, that says sell your straw, take that money, buy the manure from your neighbor, put that on your field. I think you're going to be money ahead. But remember, plant that cover crop because that's what makes the system work. With that, I am way over time yet again. That's it. That's all. On behalf of the team here at realagriculture.com, this is Wheat Pete with the word for Wednesday, June the 9th. Keep them coming, baby, because next week I'm going to talk too long again. See you then. Wheat Pete's word is brought to you by Bayer. If you're looking to maximize your yield and up your fungicide game, depend on the Bayer fungicide lineup. Choose from a range of fungicides that can help deliver increased quality, increased yield, and a bigger return on your investment. With Bayer, it's grow time.